This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe and our good pal Sam Sheehan. What is going on, everybody? Uh, I'm I'm just uh, placing some bets right now on all of the sports. I just hit big on a bet online wager that one of the MLB guys would, during the World Series championship, give everyone coronavirus. So <laughs> big payout for me. Um, if you're single, want to head to Foxwoods for the weekend, please hit my DMs. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get into a few things today. Um, the biggest thing that I think we're going to talk about is Gordon Hayward and what's going to happen with his opt-in. Nicole has something to say. What's up, Nicole? Well, just before we get started, can we talk about if we needed any further indication that Vince and Poirier won't be on this roster. The Celtics <laughs> completely botching his birthday announcement or his birthday wishes. I don't know if that was intentional or if they mistakenly thought his birthday was later than it was. They tweeted happy birthday 10 days after his actual birthday. Poirier uh, quote tweeted it and said better late than never, which was very funny. And then the and Celtics then... deleted the tweet. And the thing is, too, is what I find funny is it's not even like you can blame, like, off-season brain or whatever. Like, they're just not as active on social because multiple Celtics have had birthdays in October, and they've been very prompt and on time, like Jalen, Romeo. So if you needed Mm -hmm. any further confirmation that Vincent Poirier will not be playing for the Celtics next year, that was it for me. A a birthday is a sacred thing, man. It's it's hard for me to put aside uh, birthday ignoring, you know, that's just – it's uh, it's common courtesy, and if uh, someone forgets your birthday, it's rough. It's rough out there. No fake friends. So Hayward obviously, um, you know, has a has an opt out clause, player option for his final year of his max deal. If he opts in, he will make more than thirty million dollars next year. If he opts out, um, you know, he can try to find longer term money. He can try to secure that down the road. Before we get into trades and all of that stuff, before the offseason actually started, what did you guys think Hayward was going to do? Like, did it feel like he was coming back to you guys? Or did you think that it was, you know, that it actually was a possibility that he might opt out and leave? I didn't think there was much of a chance at all. Just with coronavirus and with how big that number is and the fact that, as you know, we'll get into later, like the teams that are going to have cap space and just the size of the free agent class and how many, like how many teams are going to be timing their cap space for next year. Not to mention that he might not be a max player anymore. 
I would say even probably is not a max player anymore just because of no fault of his own, the injury and what he's had to sacrifice to help make the Celtics better, which he's done with no complaints. So obviously the Celtics can't really grumble about having to pony up that money because he's sacrificed quite a bit for them as well. It is a little bizarre to me, you know, that he might opt out. I certainly wouldn't do it. I guess normally when it's a situation like this, it's something fans like bounce around like, oh, he could force his way to this and get a sign and trade to this team. And then the team could get these players back. And that just doesn't happen in the NBA that often. That's like, it's too complicated and it's too big of a mess. But because of what's going on this offseason and how accelerated the timeline is and just how not certain everything is, it's kind of thrown a lot of business as usual stuff out of whack for a lot of things, draft, trading, all, all sorts of stuff. But I'm surprised that that's what, what, it, what it is. Prior to all the reports coming out, I thought Gordon Hayward would definitely be on the Celtics next year, strictly from a financial standpoint. Um, I wasn't sure whether he would opt out and like renegotiate or just opt in and then test free agency next year. Regardless, I definitely thought he was going to be on the team. Where I'm not surprised, I guess, that it's possible that he won't be on the team is that I don't think Gordon cares about staying in Boston. I don't think Gordon is opposed to moving on. I don't think it's a priority of his to remain on the Celtics. I guess that's why I'm not surprised to see these reports that he might be headed elsewhere because that makes sense, especially if he can find a situation that works well for him and his family. And let's clarify before we keep going here that by reports of like Gordon leaving, we're mostly referring to a couple of like very vague things about the Pacers might be interested in him. You know, Zach Lowe on, excuse me, on his podcast said feels like something is mildly afoot and then was very careful to point out it's mostly yeah. just kind of like little rumblings here and there. To read Zach Lowe's report, the buzz I'm hearing is like the smoke, the smoke indicating that something is happening. I'm not sure what's up, but I don't think it's a lock that Gordon Hayward is on the Celtics next year. My thing about that, about kind of slow rolling that, I know, I know what Zach said, and he said like, you know, this is, I'm not reporting, blah, 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 blah. Like, you you get aggregated, everyone's saying this stuff, and you, you know, you're getting pissed off phone calls from like agents and stuff like that. On the other hand, he put like seven or eight minutes of his podcast into this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There was other stuff to talk about. That's a lot of time to talk about something that's not you think is like a 10% chance of happening. I don't know. Reading between the lines, I think he knows something more than he's letting on. And I think that there was a very controlled release that happens when you don't want to get bit in the ass by your sources and have everyone pissed at you. When you have that level of access as an NBA journalist, you've got to like be very careful about what you're saying and when. I tend to give it a little more credence than that. If they're spending seven or eight minutes of trade talk, I mean, I know everyone needs stuff to talk about, but it's not like there's, there's like other situations in the league. You don't have to spend eight minutes of podcast on it, I guess is what I'm saying. So just, I'm, I'm guessing that would not have made it on seven minutes of low post, which is like a very high profile NBA podcast. If it was not like, if it wasn't more substantive than his like slow rolling it made it seem but and the, and the other thing is that it makes sense as we're about to get into Gordon very clearly is a piece that does not fit with the Celtics future as currently constructed and it's something that I'm sure both sides understand and would like to sort out sooner rather than later right so like let's lay out possible outcomes so obviously if he opts in the Celtics have him for another year you know we see what happens after that I don't know how much there is to actually break down about that unless you want to get into like nitty gritties of like okay now the Celtics have a good player and no cap space 
they have their taxpayer mid-level exception. Great. I mean, the, the, the thing I would say about that one is that the Celtics, I think they would still be exploring. They'd be calling around. I, I don't think they'd be in a hurry to move Gordon, but I still think they would be like sniffing around trades for him up until the deadline. You're going to lose Gordon Hayward for nothing in all likelihood the season after. So, so what does an opt out look like to you guys? So if he opts out, I mean, obviously it's either he's opting out and he's leaving or he's opting out and renegotiating. If he's opting out and leaving, that means that he would probably want to sign with a team with cap space so he can still make money. Otherwise, why would he opt out? To use Sam's words, what, what did you say? They're all doo-doo? Uh, they're all, they're, they're all doo-doo. They are <laughs> all of the teams with cap space are, are, are not, usually not situations a player would like to associate themselves with, especially of Gordon Hayward's caliber, even after the injury. So I don't know how serious the Celtics will take a threat of like, I'm going to go sign with what the, the, the Hornets or even the Knicks. As much as it is New York, it's also the Knicks. So is the main contender there the Atlanta Hawks? That was what they said on the low post, which I still doesn't seem that appealing to me, but I guess I understand because the Hawks were like, you can at least see the framework with the Hawks. They do have a lot of good young players. They are a good offense. Trey Young is like a very interesting player. They do have a noticeable wing gap as like DeAndre Hunter is not Cam Reddish. Those guys have not panned out yet. And he does slot in very easily, like between like Kevin Herter and like Clint Capella and some of these other guys that they would have. That would be the idea. I guess I'm guessing if Hayward opted out and was trying to get something from the Celtics, get a sign and trade or some sort of money, that's the team he would like use as like a threat or like leverage. You don't want to lose a talented player for nothing. So the Celtics would have to sit down and like listen to him. Um, if he wanted to pick a destination via sign and trade, I would be shocked if Gordon actually signed with the Atlanta Hawks. But that's like the threat that I think Gordon Hayward will use if he would like to get somewhere else. It's funny that the Hawks are the leverage because it feels like it feels very unlikely that he would actually end up in Atlanta. It's just that even if he was truly willing to sign with them, that would probably just trigger the Celtics being like, okay, but like, what are some other markets so that we can get some value for you? Yeah. And I just don't see, I just don't see the Celtics playing that kind of hardball with Gordon Hayward. You know what I'm saying? With everything that's going on. Like, I don't, I don't see the Celtics being like, oh yeah, well, we're not trading you. Prove it. Go sign with the Hawks. You know, like negotiations will not be hostile. You know I'm saying like yeah. they probably want to do right by this guy and you know the sort of the nasty little secret is while it would make the Celtics probably worse in the coming year it would make them much better off in the years down the line that are going to really count with Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum is the franchise now and you've got to like plan accordingly around that you know I don't think they're going to be like no we need to have you on this roster for this coming year because this is our year this is the this is the one I think they want to be ready for the year after that and for fitting this roster to Jason Tatum and figuring out what the next title window team is going to look like. Here's some potential options that were brought up by NBC Sports Boston, it appears. First, we can start with Harrison Barnes. Is that something you would be interested in? An iteration of that was like brought up on Low Post podcast where they said, I think they, they said a package of like Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, and like a pick or something like that. Now that's interesting because like Sacramento, as far as I know, nice place to live. You would, you know, he would step in and immediately be the best power forward wing guy on that team with a young team that needs some direction. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, all due respect to Darren Fox, who's like a fun player, and Marvin Bagley and some of the other like young players. But nobody there is like of a Jason Tatum or even like a Jalen Brown level where like you're getting chased off your minutes by like these guys. Like he could step in there and conceivably be the team's like number one player 
Harrison Barnes is a sort of a poison pill contract. It runs three years, including this one, but it does go down every year. That's a lot of money for Harrison Barnes, but he's also a good player, you know, a decent player. He's just overpaid, but that doesn't matter when you're a Celtics fan because um, you're not the one paying this money and it's all going to be luxury tax money and stuff like that. And the other important thing is it gives the Celtics like a pretty hefty movable mid-sized contract besides Marcus Smart to trade. So like no more like putting Marcus Smart in trades. And then Rashawn Holmes is a very good young bank. So everyone who's upset about Celtics center position woes, like that's something to look at. Now, would the Kings do this? I'm not sure if I would do that if I were the Kings. I'm not sure that makes a lot of sense for them. But then again, not a lot the Kings do does make sense. (laughs) So I think there's a framework there to something. Again, it would sort of depend on whether or not Gordon Hayward would like to go to Sacramento. Because I think that's what it would take is him stating, hey, I'd like to go to Sacramento. I think there is something to the idea, though, that like, I mean, like Sacramento wants to get better and, you know, they, I think they want them. They haven't been in the playoffs for a long time. And yes, like De'Aaron Fox isn't like the best point guard in the league, but he's very good. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do kind of want to like put some good pieces around him, like see what it looks like. You've got to understand as the Celtics, you're going you're gonna to lose the trade. You're, you're going to lose the trade on like just straight up value. Like Gordon Hayward's going to be a more valuable player than anything you're getting back. What you can do is you can get a young guy like Rashawn Holmes in at $5 million a year, play him out, see what that looks like, have Harrison Barnes and his big expiring contract to match salary, like in any trades. Like if you need to use a bunch of draft capital to trade for, let's say, Bradley Beal or something like that, like later on down the line, you, you're going to need that big salary. You know, you can't just send out draft picks. So something like that is pretty conceivable to me. Another one I've seen kind of talked about that I think is worth mentioning just because of what's happened with Gordon Hayward in the past. People forget Gordon Hayward did not re-sign with the Utah Jazz in the traditional manner. He actually signed a uh, offer sheet with the Charlotte Hornets and the True. Jazz matched it in restricted free agency. You know, that's something, I just think that's something that's a little bit worth mentioning just because Gordon Hayward actually has signed on the dotted line for the Charlotte Hornets in the past. Well, let's, all right. So let's talk about some of the, some of the deals that have cropped up. Indiana obviously is like a big one. It's Hayward's home state. What do you guys make of kind of the rumblings that we've heard so far about Indiana? That makes a lot of sense just given Gordon's background. That would be good to, you know, get home and live there. And, you know, it does sort of make sense from a standpoint of the Pacers who are quickly have found themselves in like kind of a bad situation where like they need some clarity on what like their franchise direction is going to be. So a top four seed that immediately got swept. They haven't been out of the first round in a minute. They keep making the playoffs, but they're just not like, they're just sort of like the also rans. So they're looking down the barrel of like losing all NBA-ish guy in Victor Oladipo who got hurt. And now you're in kind of a worst case scenario where there's no trade value for him, really. Nobody knows what he is and you can't really get anything back for him. And then you have a big man log jam where you have DeMontis Sabonis, who's like a analytics darling that everyone thinks is going to be, you know, really good when he's the only guy at the five. And then you have Miles Turner who's out there like giving quotes about how like he feels like he sacrificed a lot already. He's going to need to keep sacrificing. Like there will not be a Miles Turner show on a good team. He's not good enough to carry like a um, a Nikola Jokic load, let's say. So they've got to make some choices. That's another situation where like, I guess the framework would be like Miles Turner and like, I don't even know, Doug McDermott or something like that. Like, 
I am not a Miles Turner guy. I'll say that no, like right up front either. for the reasons that I just said where the quotes where he's saying that he feels like he sacrificed a lot already really scare me because like he's walking, he's going to have to sacrifice more on the Boston Celtics. He's a good player, hypothetically fits the Celtics needs. I just don't think at the price tag and where the Celtics salary is going to be, he's much of a fit for the roster. I know everyone thinks the Celtics need like huge improvements at the center spot, but I'm not sure the limited improvement you're going to get from Miles Turner over Daniel Tice, Rob Williams, Grant Williams platoon is going to be worth the $18 million of not being able to move around there. So while it makes sense for Gordon Hayward, I'm not sure what the deal would be if I were the Boston Celtics. Can you get TJ Warren? I don't know. He might have played his way out of that. Yeah, I don't think Miles Turner is a good fit on the Celtics at all, uh, especially given their alternatives. Like you said, I'm not convinced he's a good player. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather see Rob for a year than yeah. bring in Miles Turner. I don't think Miles Turner is a desirable. I don't think he's an upgrade. I think that they would rather trade up in the draft or find a different way of upgrading at that position than acquiring Miles Turner. That being said, Gordon Hayward seems to have some sort of power in this situation, and I do think Indiana would be a good fit for him, especially just like we've mentioned, the background and stuff. And like his oldest daughter is at the point where she's in school, and they enrolled their kids in Indiana schools. So I think that is indicative of that's where that family plans to make their home once Gordon retires. That's where they want to raise their family. Like, I'm curious to see how they handle that next season. I feel like they would love to just move their family there. And who knows how many years Gordon has left. Like, it could just work out. So I feel like that just from, like, a narrative standpoint makes the most sense. But that being said, it's not enticing for the Celtics, like, at all. Yeah, there's not, there's just not a lot the Celtics could like get back. Like it, you see the name like Victor Oladipo and I, I even kind of like talked myself into it, but I keep forgetting like how injured yeah. he was. He was like, so injured and he hasn't looked great since he came back. Like he's had like some yeah. moments, but like generally speaking, he's just not the same player. And also like, I just don't know how good like the fit is with him. And the Celtics, like the Celtics have a really like a star lead guard that they've already committed all this money to. They have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like Marcus Smart. Like, would you rather have Marcus Smart or Victor Oladipo? Like at this point, given what we know about Oladipo's, yeah. given what we've seen about his like recovery, I personally would rather have Smart and Smart's like super team friendly contract. Especially yeah. on the Celtics. Like, Especially maybe, on the Celtics. Like, maybe I just, in like a one for one vacuum with other teams, you could convince yourself Oladipo's the guy. But on the Celtics, it just makes no sense to get yeah. 100%. I actually don't think that the Pacers are a good trade partner at all. I mean, I don't think that the Pacers guys are that good. I think the money is pretty bad, and the Pacers don't have any draft assets that would interest me if I was Danny Ainge. And, like, I guess maybe the guy would be DeMontis Sabonis. I, I, like, that's just not going to happen. I just like, don't think Sabonis is on the yeah. table for, yeah, for yeah, the Pacers. Yeah, the Pacers I think they like him too much. Sabonis for, yeah. But yeah. I do think that's the one player maybe yeah, they would sure. entertain. Yes. Um, that's definitely or, the one you would want to get back if you were the Celtics. For exactly. Sure. And then 
then the Pacers would probably be like, well, why, why would we do this? Yeah, so, no, no yeah, thing. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because like, like we've all sort of said though, the Pacers seem like the natural choice here. Like in terms of like actual basketball though, it doesn't make sense at all. Well, and it, and it makes me wonder too if like other teams might be less interested in trading for Hayward, given that it sure seems like the Haywards as a family are setting up to end <laughs> up in Indiana in the offseason. At which point, if you're a team in, you know, if like if you're Sacramento or, or if you're whoever, like, are you going to be like, well, but he's just going to bolt. So why would we give up like a draft asset or whatever for this guy? So I, I don't know. There's certainly a complicating factor. I think one team where Hayward might be less inclined to bolt, most people would actually like to be in Golden State. That's an interesting one to me. I think the Warriors could, you know, make a real push in the Western Conference. I think Gordon Hayward would be a great fit if he stays healthy. A few different trade packages have been floated uh, surrounding the Warriors. What do you guys think of that potential fit for Hayward? Like, I think what Ryan, friend, a friend of the pod, Ryan Bernadotti had said on Twitter, I believe if I'm, my memory is correct, I believe it was something like Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Gordon Hayward for Andrew Wiggins, the number two pick in the upcoming draft and the top three protected 2021 pick that is for, it's a Minnesota pick that Golden State has control over. And I believe Kavon Looney for like salary purposes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Kavon Looney too. So in that situation is the assumption that the Celtics would be drafting Onyeka Okongwu? Either him or James Wiseman. You know, you would be, I think you'd be drafting a big, a young big at that point. And you would obviously, you would still have the 14th pick, which would be a nice, um, you know, a nice little part of that is like you can still, at that point, you can get your young big of the future and still get the bench scoring that you would hope to get at number 14, which is pretty good value, honestly. And the assumption, I guess, too, is that the Minnesota pick will be pretty good. Yes. In 2021. Probably. If, if, if history is any indication. <laughs> I mean, like, that's an enticing offer. And I think, I think Hayward would be a great addition to the Warriors in their title pursuit. I think a lot of fans would be sad to say bye to Grant and Rob, but drafting a Kungu is probably a better outcome for the five. Well, and they would probably, I'm, clearly I'm pretty happy for the five. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, li- I like both those guys too, and I think they're both good, but like, yeah. it's, it's unquestionably a better outcome for the five. And well, then also, okay. I mean, to- I'm going to go ahead and push back and say, no, no, I'm a Time Lord Stan, so I'm, I'm going to quietly say, I don't know about that, but I do think that like, you are getting, you know, but you, you also can probably trade back if you want to get a Congo. Like, I'm guessing someone will probably want to trade up to get either Ball or Edwards, I would think, at the number two position. And Danny Ainge has shown... I don't know that that's true. I I don't know that that's true in this year's draft. I really don't. I think that if you get the number two pick, you just take who you want. I wouldn't bet on getting more draft capital just because, like, most people who are between 4 and 15 are pretty happy to be there because they don't have to make the difficult decision to go get mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards and uh, or or LaMelo Ball because like those guys like those guys could be stars they also those guys both also have like bust floors I guess what I, what I would say is my hang up with that thing is this doesn't feel like a Gordon Hayward necessarily driven one. Like if he wants to win a title and be the fourth best guy on a title team, uh, I feel like he would just stay in Boston unless his family really, really hates it in Boston. Like, or, or there is some sort of mitigating factor. I'm not sure the situations are different enough to merit it being, I mean, obviously California versus Boston. Yes. But like, to move and have all this uncertainty and like, you've got to like, it's a big pain in the ass, you know, 30, I mean, look, 30 million will almost get you an apartment in San Francisco. (laughs) That's true. Do you think the Celtics could just trade Gordon like independent of what he wants? Or do you think like, 
I think if he opts in, that's on the table for them. The timing of that, I guess, is not necessarily right because then the draft, right? The draft has like gone by or something like that. But it's just it's hard for me because I, I think what I keep coming back to is I feel like Gordon Hayward is going to drive this thing. You know what I'm saying? And it's really going to come down to like what he wants. You know, I, I don't know. The, the, just to run through some of the other ideas real quick, like I don't think the Celtics are interested in getting Andre Drummond, and I don't think that. Well, um, before we can, can I real quick, but look, one last yeah. question about the Warriors one that I wanted to ask you guys because I, I think I think that that deal is like a no brainer. Just because the draft capital coming back is like way too good, I don't. I don't think the Warriors would do that deal. Would you guys do it if the Minnesota pick was not involved? I would not, but I'm a Robert Williams sicko. I I'm a strong believer in Robert Williams. I think he's an excellent passing big, and I, I really I, I don't know. I, it's very easy for me to see Robert Williams becoming a very 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 impactful player on a very cheap contract for the Boston Celtics in a very important time. For them, so I'm. Okay. I would do it. I would give it. I would give it some real thought, especially if like I knew, especially if it was driven by the fact that Hayward was like, "I'm leaving, please trade me." Um, if, yeah. if that was the case, then I would definitely do it. If that wasn't the case, I think I would still do it. Like you said, you still hold on to your 14 pick where you can presumably draft a wing that is ready to come off the bench and Anyako Kongu, if he is as good as Tom tells me he is, sounds like he is ready to contribute. I mean, with the Minnesota pick, it's like a no-brainer, and I feel like it's still a pretty good situation without it. Sam is angrily stroking his mustache yeah, at the thought I'm of not, creating I'm Robert Williams. So let's move on to the uh, let's move on to the other uh, scenarios here. What, uh, what other ones did you want to bring up here, Sam? I can't believe you did this to Grant. I'm, I'm <laughs> sending, up, sending this episode to Grant next time he has to like Nicole has to interview him, and I'm using the Demarcus Cousins like snake in the grass like emoji. Like, <laughs> know who your friends are. Know who your friends are, Grant. I would never do this to you. <laughs> do you play Among Us? Okay, so I've played with some of the Zoomers from online and they all made fun of me. <laughs> and they kept voting me off because they thought I was suspicious and the imposter. And as, as they said at the end of the game, no, he's just that bad. So <laughs> <laughs> I have played it. I'm not good at it. That's my next goal with Grant is to play Among Us. I am, uh, I'm approaching boomer age at, at 31. <laughs> uh, other, other trade scenarios here. Sam, you, you mentioned there were a couple other that you wanted to talk about. People want Andre Drummond on the team and the money works. I, no. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I, even I less know. so like, than Miles Turner to me. I don't know. Like, it won't cost much to get him. I mean, just to humor everybody. I, I can't see that him wanting to go to Cleveland. I, I can't see why. Why on earth he would ever pick that, or why his family would want that? So I don't know. I I, I kind of toss that one out the window. To a lesser extent, same thing with like Kevin Love. Kevin Love's a better player, but again, for a lot of the same reasons. And I think the Cavaliers are saying no to that. I think the Cavaliers have consistently telegraphed they think he's a good player. So sure, good luck with that. Um, the Chicago Bulls. I don't know, you know, if, if you're looking for some place to go, uh, I'd call the Bulls about Otto Porter and see what's going on there. I mean, I don't know what the Bulls would decide, you know, what they want to do. I don't think you're getting Wendell Carter back. Like, that's yeah. obviously what you would want. But, like, how much have they given up on, like, Laurie Markin and, and Otto Porter? Well, and the funny thing about the Bulls is that they just have so many little, like, pieces here and there that are interesting, right? Like, I feel like they're not – that's why I feel like they're not ready to give up on them. Agreed. Yeah, I would agree. And, yeah, I just and honestly – you might just want to see what all these guys are like when they're not playing for Jim Boylan. Like, right, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, that they, you, you probably want to, like, at least, yeah, like you said, see see what you've got in those guys. But, um, you know, like Harrison Barnes, Otto Porter is another guy who fits in that mold of being, like, a kind of what you're looking for, a good player who is getting paid too much money but doesn't really matter to the Celtics, so... I think NBC Sports Boston also contemplated uh, Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, I saw Keith Smith, I think, had that one, too. 
What do you guys think of that? I, I know Vucevic is good, but for some reason, I just, I feel like it's not real. <laughs> and I don't know why. Like, he plays for the magic. I feel like yeah. at that point, I don't really see that. You know? Yeah, I don't see that one for sure. So I guess, like, what do you think is going to happen then? Because, like, clearly we aren't in love with any of these situations. Like, the Warriors deal, I think, sounds great, but it's also, like, too good to be true. Like, why would the Warriors really do that? What do you think is going to happen? And, like, what do you think actually is reasonable? I think a good way to get your way out of this is some sort of, like, three-team deal. Like, is something that might be able to be explored if you're doing a sign-and-trade. Like, if you want to, I don't know. Like, Celtics might not want Miles Turner, but some other team might there might want Miles Turner. Like, that might be a trade that might work. So, you know, getting a third team involved, like, would Miles Turner want to play in New York? That seems like a situation that would behoove him, you know, based on, like, what I've heard. So, like, he could go do that, and, you know, the would Celtics get, get back, like, I don't know if there's any good players on the Knicks. I don't think there are. <laughs> but, um, but that's the thing, right? Like, it's not even 100% clear, like, because Gordon Hayward's contract is tough, like, there's a lot of teams that I don't even think he would be, like, a positive asset for. And there there are teams that he would be because he's a really good player. But, like, he's he's such a complicated trade asset that, like, there really are only a few specific teams. So, like, you have to kind of talk yourself into what they have. Or you're a team like the Warriors where it's like, well, I don't think they're going to trade the number two pick for Gordon Hayward, especially if there's, like, a chance that he just bounces for Indiana a year later. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Let, let, let me put this one out to you. I, I'm guessing I know what your answers are. Um, let's say Gordon Hayward decides um, Detroit's close enough. What about Blake Griffin for Gordon Hayward? Bill Simmons and Kevin O'Connor talked about this one a little bit. I think mm-hmm. the, the framework that they gave was something along the lines of Griffin and the number seven pick to Boston for Hayward and like 26 and 30, which was interesting to me. I mean, that, you know, that gives... Mm-hmm. Like Detroit doesn't have any good players, so they uh, right. like they, they don't have players. players. Everyone's coming off the books. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, it's like Blake Griffin, Tony Snell, and uh, Sekou Dumboya. Yeah, right. Yeah, so they would be able to fill out their roster a little bit. Right, uh, but then also, yeah, I mean. Then, then you know, you're looking at trading back in the draft, getting the, you know, I think the other thing they threw in at one point was the 14 pick too, which I, I don't know. It just feels like, again, that kind of comes back to what you were saying, Sam, where it's like, it's just too complicated. And when things get too complicated in the NBA, they usually fall apart. I mean, if they would get the seventh pick too, though, that, that doesn't sound that bad. How sure are you that Blake Griffin is going to be able to like contribute? I, I don't know. Yeah, aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Thing. Like that, I think that, and that's why I think you're getting the seven pick because, like, in that right, yeah, right, right, yeah. no, yeah. that's the only scenario in which they consider it is if the seventh pick is also included. Onyeko Okungu could be available at seven, right, Tom? Oh uh, yeah, it could, it could be. I actually think that the Celtics' better option is to draft a like a high level bench scorer who can then become a starter down the road. Number one on my draft board is Killian Hayes. That's I would right. really like the guy who gives you bench scoring right now. Rather, I, have, I, I still think that the center by committee makes sense. I think right. they can do that. So I would rather have the guy who gives you bench scoring now and then eventually, you know, if Kemba Walker, you know, is not right. your starter in four yeah. years, Killian Hayes can be. And listening to the draft dorks, he sounds like exactly what the Celtics need right now. Like He's quite opinion. good. Uh-huh. I feel like that trade isn't that bad, especially if you think Gordon's done, because then you right. offload Gordon, you don't have to worry about your extra draft picks. You get Blake Griffin, who like at one point was a really exciting player. It's just like, you don't know if you're getting more than 40 games a year out of that guy. Because of his injury history, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that offer though is worth considering. Of, of the ones that, that have been proposed, I feel like that one is one of the more enticing ones. Again, if we assume that Gordon has like said, "I'm leaving," you I'm know, done. trade me, then then sure, I would not do that in a vacuum. In this scenario, yeah, I could see that. I mean, that yeah, that's the overarching thing with all of this stuff is you're you're not getting a better player than Gordon Hayward back in the trade, and that, that's not going to happen in this situation. You you are your team is getting worse, so it's more about like. Where you need to get things elsewhere, whether that's flexibility or building the team around better around Jason Tatum or like something like that. So do you think Gordon will be on the Celtics next year? I just still think so. Cause like, I don't know why, like, like we said, we're going through these trades and I just, I don't know. I would be surprised if he was on the Celtics come the playoffs. I think. I, I, I really don't know. I, I throw my hands up in the air. I don't. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll be more bold. Based on the metaphysical, when things have momentum in the NBA, they just kind of go in a certain direction. I think, I think he'll be gone because of that. If, if I were him, I mean, and again, not his fault, not the Celtics fault. I just kind of would want to move on. Like three of the worst years of my career were all in the same place. And again, not from anybody's fault. Just like, get, let me get a fresh start somewhere. I'm going to go get a fresh start somewhere. I'm going to go back home where, where my daughters are. Are going to be going to kindergarten, you know, whatever. I could see it. I, I, I could see him wa- wanting to leave, especially, look, not for nothing, a lot of Celtics fans and a lot of people kind of around like the Boston media ether were talking about how awful he was in the playoffs when he came back. And it's like, yeah, dude, he tried to yeah. come gut it out two weeks before he should have been back. Like his ankle was still shreds. Like yeah. if I were him, I'd be kind of like, yeah, like I don't really appreciate that you guys were trashing me when I literally tried to do the thing that everybody was screaming at me to do. Like my prediction is that he will be gone. I could certainly be wrong. And the Celtics will be a little bit worse if he is because he's a really good player. Um, How about you, Nicole? That you, you're, uh, you're on the Patriots beat now. You're, you're safe to make a prediction. <laughs> I think he'll be back for one more year and then I think he's gone. Okay, so in that scenario, you think that the Celtics would just kind of keep him and uh, hope to win a championship and then kind of let him ride? Oh, so then I guess I agree with Sam then. I think he okay. opts <laughs> before the deadline because I guess they wouldn't give they wouldn't just let that happen. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they might if it's like, if the deal's not out there, like they're not going to move him to move him. If there's not a worthwhile trade, Danny has shown a propensity to be like, no, F you. I'm, I don't, I don't care. Like I'm not going to take a bad deal. Like uh, I I like, I like these players and I'm just going to ride with it. Especially Um, if there's like a 10 to 15% chance that they could win the title. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's not like Celtics are bad. You know, they're not in a bad situation. Celtics were supposed to not be a good team. They probably will not have as good of a chance at a title as they did this year, but it's, it's, enough there that it's worth something. Real quick, I, Zach Lowe also brought up Trevor Ariza, Rodney Hood, and Zach Collins. That doesn't quite work, but something like that with Portland, you know, getting them a big wing. I don't think the Thunder are interested in moving Steven Adams, but I'd make a call on it. I, I don't know. Especially, it depends on, like, who you're drafting. He's a player who, like, I, I don't... I, lo- I love the idea of him, but then, like, I'm not, I'm not sure how much better he is than Daniel Tice, like, immediately, but he does give you, like, a big body. He does give the Celtics, like, you know, if you if you if you're planning for the Lakers, you know, I, I think there is some utility there. And I feel like I had one more that I wanted to Oh, and uh the Rockets, something like Eric Gordon or Robert Covington, but it would depend on maybe even PJ Tucker, but depend on how much that situation is like detonating Sans Mori. It's really gonna depend on what I think Gordon Hayward wants. You know what I'm saying? If he still wants to win a title, I'm not sure if there's a better situation for him out there than just riding it out with the Celtics. It's gonna give him a better situation. Like maybe the Warriors, but like, you know, the West is a bloodbath. The Warriors are not a lock. 
you know, if I were him and I had had these years that I had where I sacrificed everything, I would want to get somewhere where I could play good basketball, be on a pretty decent team, and be back to being one of, like, the three or four best players and not be a guy who's, like, bouncing back and forth between the bench. So it seems like the Indiana thing is real. Um, I guess I, what I will predict is I will predict that he finds a way to get to Indiana and the Celtics find a way to make it into a three-team trade, despite what I just said about that being too complicated <laughs> and get something back. The thing about three-team trades is that they, they are extremely possible and they do happen. It's just impossible to predict them. I, I could see that. Speculating on it probably isn't worthwhile, but right. that's all right. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there by having figured out absolutely nothing about what's going to happen with Gordon Hayward. But we appreciate everybody who listens. Please feel free to leave us a five-star review. DM us with any uh, anything you want to hear about, and we will talk to you all next week.